With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm here, so. <laughs> I'm Shea Gibbs Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. Howdy, Oklahoma. My name is Chet Holmgren, and I'm down to dunk. Dead gum. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. <laughs> I have. I don't, is that like you eat it together? Everybody tells him to get the bag of burgers. I need like a straw. Like. <laughs> Howdy. I, I'm, a, I'm an artist on the court. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. My name is Kenrich Williams, and I'm down to dunk. It might be Aaron Wiggins. This is a troll. It's a troll. I'm trolling. Howdy, Papa. Because I, I think it would take away from who he is, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love Oklahoma. <laughs> I love Oklahoma to death. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. Perfect. Good. Very good. I like the hat. You bro. like the hat? Yeah. <laughs> Vava. This is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I've been doing a lot of dunking. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleich. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Mondays is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? The cowboy hats are very small compared to Lou Dort's head or, or Giddy's head or Jay Will's head. Like, yeah, they were and, smaller cowboy hats. Not, not going to lie. They were a little bit smaller and they barely fit my head. Um, so you know that they're not going to fit Jay Will's head for sure. Uh, you should, by the way, watch on YouTube and you can see how the, these cowboy hats fit on the Thunder players in our intro. Uh, if you have if you, you're hearing the intro, if you're listening to the podcast, but you can wa- actually watch the intro. If you go to our YouTube page, just search down to dunk, hit subscribe, like it. Hey, if you're watching right now, go ahead and hit the like button, leave us a comment, comment along. Uh, we're really glad to have you guys. The boy, the Thunder played a game on Friday night, and it's been a little bit since they played a game. They played a night here in Oklahoma City against the Atlanta Hawks, but they played an outstanding game without Shea on Friday night. They lost the game. If you if you didn't watch it, somehow you've stumbled upon this Thunder podcast and don't know they lost the game um, on what was a controversial call, and that that night. We all learned what the rule was, okay? Nobody knew. I, I have always watched basketball knowing, you know what? Shouldn't touch the rim. It's not a problem for me. Never been a problem for me. But NBA players, anytime that I've watched a game, anytime they touch the rim, anytime they touch it, it's a goaltend. Like, every time. And the I will say... When you read the rule book, I can see why they called that a called that good. I, I can see why. Now, I tweeted something, and I've had people coming at me all weekend because of it. I said, if the reasoning from the league says 
that it's because of Josh Giddy touching the net that they didn't count it, then that is completely against what the rule book says. Because the rule book says if a if a player from both teams touched the rim net or ball as it's going in, then it's a jump ball at midcourt. But they they didn't interpret the rule that way. They didn't interpret that that play that way. The way they interpreted it was that neither Draymond nor Giddy altered the path of the ball, and it was therefore not. And a goal that, time. as a mathematician who did um, like a lot of uh, physics exams, it's um, it's a very strong statement. Like, yeah, how do you possibly know? How touching the rim, maybe when the ball is bouncing mm-hmm. and whatnot, it's it can be the difference between rolling and, and going in. Um, yeah. I'm exaggerating, of course. The contact didn't seem that egregious. The ball didn't seem to change, but it's a it's a very very uh, I would say difficult path. Yeah, the one that the NBA is uh, they, is they, going. They could have very down. easily just said. No basket. We're going to overtime. You know, they could have just called it off and just say, no, 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 no. He touched the rim. But I do. I just, and I hate to do this. This is one of my least favorite things that, that I will do today is this. And I'm not saying that, like, they gave this game to the Warriors. But the officials treat the Warriors differently than they treat any other team in the NBA. I don't see any other team get treated this way. Where... They can treat the officials however they want. Mm-hmm. They can yell at them for five minutes straight. Mm-hmm. And they don't get a technical foul. They're also going to get whatever video review they want. They can have... It feels like they can just have whatever they like. Yeah. And it's it is... That, to me, is garbage. Like, that was... There were some moments during that game that are garbage because I know for a fact... That if, if Chet Holmgren acted the way that Draymond did, if Jay Will acted the way that Draymond did, if Lou Dort, Isaiah Joe, anybody, they would have been not only teed up, but thrown out of the game, thrown out of the game had they acted that way. But because Draymond is a psychopath baby that acts like that all the time, he just gets to do it. He just gets to do it. Perspective. It's insane. It was insane watching it happen. Because I know that, like, if tonight, if Trey Young does this tonight, Trey Young would have been teed up and he would have yeah. been possibly thrown out of the game. Listen, that kind of preferential treatment is the thing that I'm more mad about than touching the rim and that rule, because I do think they interpreted the rule correctly. And I can be fine with that. What I'm not fine with is just the the way that they can they can get away with whatever they want. Same with Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr was losing his mind on the play where J Dub got hit in the face by Clay. And Mark couldn't act like that. If Mark acted like that, he would have been teed up and possibly thrown out of the game. So that to me is way more egregious. Than the play, than than whatever happened at the end of the game, which was unfortunate. We could have had an overtime classic on our hands, yeah, which would have been great. But to me, after reading the rule, 
and the fact that they didn't state that it had anything to do with Giddy touching the net, which was not said by anybody. I believe I, my guess is like the Warriors people thought that's what happened, and so mm-hmm. like people like Anthony Slater were putting that out there because it didn't involve him touching the net and all of that. Then then I I get it, I get it. Um, so that to me was the most egregious thing though. It's just the way that the Warriors get away with the way that they act on the court is, is absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And I feel bad for Steph Curry because Steph Curry is like the most stoic, joyful basketball player. One of the best players of all time. He put on a show in Oklahoma city on Friday. He was so good. I feel bad for Steph that he has to deal with that. Anyways, you have anything to say about that? Sorry, I've just been like going going off about the Warriors. No, that's fine. I think that that is um, human nature. Like you've been through many battles with the same guys, and it's natural that you you don't react the same way. Um, is it fair? No. Uh, is it right? No. Um, can you do a lot about it? It's extremely difficult, um, and so it's. Um, I'm not totally mad about anything, um, not about the the non-call. I mean, to me, it's fine. I'm just stating that it's a very fine line saying that you didn't change the trajectory of the ball because that is very hard to say. Yeah. And it will lead to many, many, many issues. Like if you say, hey, you can't touch the rim, you can't touch the net. That is very clear. If you touch it, even if you just slightly touch it, that's goaltending yeah if you go into hey you can touch it but you can't really change the trajectory of the rim it means that you can maybe pull it when the ball is not in contact with the rim what kind of like effect uh, does it have i, I know so it's it, it's it's, it's it really crazy. difficult for it, me it, to if deandre ayton did that against the the uh grizzlies last night it would have been called goaltending 100 i also do believe yeah, that possibly. because it was draymond green and that they don't want to deal with him that they that they may have done it because of that too. I just I just think that Draymond gets away with so much crap because I genuinely believe that they are fearful of him. Yeah, or I mean, I, I think that there is some genius in Draymond. Um, I hate that he's not playing for the Thunder and that he is Draymond, but he's, um, ins- but he's hey, an insane person. I think, I'm yeah, glad he yeah. doesn't play for the Thunder. He's an insane person. I don't want to be. I I don't want to be around him. My strongest reaction to anything that Draymond did was talking nicely about Chet. I had this, uh, hey, yeah. stay away. Uh, this is not yours. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, please. It's, they better uh, not like, have their, away. he better not have his phone number. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Better not. Uh, but going back a bit, um, I think that the last time we, we spoke, uh, it was after the game against Denver, where we were miserable um, and beat down by the, by the results. And then they had three games. Mm. I think that they played three good games and they left a lot on the table Mm. in every game. I think that they didn't play up to their standards against Detroit. Shea was not perfect. Against New Orleans, I mean, they they really laid an egg uh, because they they stopped competing. I mean, if you look at the first 20-point lead, it was maybe not natural. I mean, there were a lot of, hey, I'm shooting way better than the opponent. And yeah. I think that New Orleans were shooting like very badly. They missed so um, many open threes. So many yeah, open threes. To the right to the right guys, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah. they they left open guys that they should leave 
semi-open, I would say, but they were like just conceding corner trees. And then they they didn't react when when New Orleans punched them. And I think the most important stuff that I hated about that, that game was they tried to increase the pace in taking early shots, mm-hmm. which is exactly what you should avoid when you're up big and the other team is punching you, you want to tire them. You want to stop the momentum. You want to mm. to freeze things. You want to give the ball to Chet and let him taking the ball in his hands for 20 seconds if he has to. I know that he can't, but just, just to make an example, just Why cook can't? them slowly. Just slow down the game. Like, take a breath. Prepare for the defense. Take a shot that doesn't lead to a transition. I remember like three open three shots, one from Lou Dort, one from Gidey, I think, and another one maybe from Jadab, like rushing into Isaiah Joe. First five seconds of the game, open shot. Don't take it. It's the recipe for a disaster when you're up that big. Yeah. If it goes in, it can be a killer. But if you miss two of them, they they started this uh, kind of back and forth. 20 mm-hmm. plus 22 and in a matter of four or five possessions they were up 10 yep. which is a completely different game and against the warriors and i'm closing my monologue very uh, very quickly um i think they my main takeaway one i i already wrote it in the chat but i'll i'll share with everyone i think that it's just criminal to give chat two offensive possessions in the last 13 minutes of the game 12 or even more 16 probably minutes of the game that is just that is just something that can't happen again because chat needs the ball and the second thing which is very positive is that i think that case wallace had an amazing game just amazing game even defensively against clay i know that clay cook him but in many of the clay's basket like case was there was contesting contesting the right way being in his grill and I mean, that is so great. I mean, it's like I don't think it's it's a, a small thing that a guy like Kazen can be ready for a game against Stephen Clay and just miss very few things. He's a rookie. Like, He's played five games. He's <laughs> and Mark has been talking about it after games. Like I, I've been asking him a lot about Kazen and kind of what. Um, Oh gosh, I just messed this up. Kaysen, um, what kind of player he is? Like, just like tell me, like, what have you learned about Kaysen? I've asked him that question several times. And when he talks about Kaysen, he just talks about how smart he is. Like, he just he said it's it's all up here with Kaysen Wallace, mm-hmm. which is you can see it. And he's crazy talented, and he is efficient and he takes the right kinds of shots and they put him in all kinds of different positions. They put him in position. They put him at like power forward at times. If they can play him at point, they can play him on the wing. They can put him anywhere and he's small, but he's strong and he's intelligent. He is somebody that we're going to have to keep an eye on as a part of like this core of players, because I think that he could potentially be that kind of guy because he can shoot and he can pass and he's got some dribble moves that are really impressive mm-hmm. and he just at I mean this is his rookie year he's going to make mistakes every rookie makes mistakes that's just a part of the game 
Yeah, but can I stop you there? Yeah. Just on that sentence? Yeah. Yes. But at at any point in Poku's rookie year or Usman Jang rookie year, did you have the feeling to have five complete games in a row? No, no. It, what I was about to say is like he just doesn't hardly make any mistakes. He does make some, but he's but some, uh, what yes. I'm saying after give him like a year or two, like the dude is going to be so solid. I think like a Drew Holiday comp is not an insane comp for him. He's not as yeah, big as Drew. Side. He's not as big that's as on Drew. the high side of of, of like Kaysom. If that is the um, maybe not the highest, but that's on the high side. Oh yeah, it's on the high side. But I'm saying that if everything works out, he continues on a upward trajectory and he becomes that kind of player. I'm not saying he's going to be Drew or necessarily even as good as Drew, but like a guard that can just kind of fill in. We're seeing what he's doing in Boston right now, Drew. Where it's like, oh no. Like if you're a Milwaukee right now, you're just sitting back and you're looking at that team and going, oh no, what do we do? Mm-hmm. Like we just we just gave the Celtics the exact player that they needed. Yeah, we just gave them a, a player that he lifts everybody else up. And Kaysen has been doing that in his limited minutes. Like he just helps the team. Like defensively, he's locked in. Offensively, he takes good shots. He can he gives a three level type of score. Now is he going to be like a consistent three level score? I don't know. Like it's too soon to say. Mm-hmm. But boy, he he is really impressive. We have to talk more about Chet though. Chet Holmgren's a star. Chet Holmgren is a superstar. I thought it was insane to think about could Chet even be the best player on this team? Chet Chet Holmgren be, can be the best player on this team. We could get we said it before the draft, before Shea's. Before Shea became all NBA, and then like we hadn't even considered it since then. Chet's played six games. Chet can be the best player on this team. Will he be? I don't know. Can he be? Absolutely. He can be the best player on this team. Through six games, 17 points per game, seven boards, 2.7 assists, a steal, 2.3 blocks, 60-56-87 shooting splits, and he's not taking enough shots yet. They don't even oh, know how to use him. Why he has such good percentage? Because he's taking very good shots. I mean, you look at his the the kinds of shots that he takes. Uh, you look at synergy, the game breakdown. I mean, it's a majority transition and spot up, and that's why he <laughs> is the efficiency is through the roof. He will not continue this efficiency. You know, seventy-four percent effective field goal percentage. Like that's insane. Like you just nobody. You're not going to do that. But the fact that he can handle the ball the way that he has, the fact that he can pass, he can protect the rim. Him as a defender is just breathtaking. The the ground that he can cover, mm-hmm. he can. Sh- he's a he's a real shooter. Like the dude can really really shoot the basketball. And the in transition. He's insane. I mean, he is scary. He's going to be one of the best transition players in the game. I mean, there was a play against the Warriors where it was like, oh my gosh, that looked like Giannis. Yeah. The way that he moved down the court where it was like nobody can stop him. In transition, 2.1 points per possession. 
in transition right now. Yeah. Which is insane, by the way. 99th percentile in the league in transition through six games. There's nobody that's better than him in transition through six games. And it's a limited sample. He's not going to be the best player in transition right away. He could be down the road. He's really good. As a pick-and-roll man, 1.4 points per possession, 76th percentile in his first six games as a pro. Yeah. As a spot-up guy, 1.2 points per possession, 77th percentile in the league. And this yeah, guy, which can improve. That can improve. The 1.2 points per possession can improve as a spot. He is, He has been so impressive, and we haven't even seen the fully unlocked version of Chet yet. Haven't even seen it. He's had two. He's had um, basically two possessions as a pick and roll ball handler, and he can do that. He yeah. can do that off screens. He's had four possessions. He scored eight points off screens. Off cuts, he's had four possessions. He scored four points on ISOs. He is one point five points per possession. He's only had four isolation plays. Yeah, you know, like there. He can do a lot. He can absolutely do a lot. And I know that's going to be like, well, what about Wimby? Chet and Wimby. Like, we have to, like, tie these guys together in every conversation. They're both incredibly breathtaking players. Mm -hmm. Just outrageous. Chet has been better, but it's because Chet has been put in a better position to be better right away. Also, he's had a year to be in the NBA. Do I think Victor Wembanyama is going to be the better player at the end of the day? I do. But I think that Chet is so good right now. To me, he's the second best player on the team, period, the end. I don't think there's a debate because of what he can do on both ends. Mm -hmm. And offensively, they still have to figure out how to unlock him. Like, how do we get a 18-shot Chet game? Just passing the ball. It's not that hard. <laughs> I mean, against Golden State, it was this moment where Giddy had the ball on the right side of the floor, and and he was scoring like a maniac. So I'm he not was. not like he like criticizing Giddy like too much. Points, yeah. But on three occasions in a row, Chet was wide open in the corner, like wide open. Mm -hmm. um, I think that for Giddy, give Chet one or two of those. Yeah. That is what you should do. I mean, I know that you're scoring. I know that you want to score. I know that it's important that you score. But diversify a little bit. Chet was wide open in the corner. And that is a shot that I want. Even if Giddy knows it has a layup, just you do it four times in a row, once pass him to the corner. Like make the defense think and unlock Chet because Chet is always open in the right spot. So you need to unlock him. And... There is one part of the game that Chet is not really... Um, I don't think that it's really easy for him to get shots this year with the particular lineup that he's playing with, which is basically is used as um, the bench anchor with Giddy and, uh, and J-Dub. And it's not playing with an all-spacing unit with Shea, which is a bummer. But in pick-and-roll settings as a roller... When Dort and Giddy are on the floor, there is absolutely no space for him to roll. Mm -hmm. We said it against Denver uh, last Monday, but even over the past three games where he had a few occasions because Shea's uh, is a great player and, and Chet was in the right spot, in the dunker spot. Um, I think that that particular 
aspect of this game needs some rethinking in terms of lineup. Because if you put Chet in a lineup with uh, Bertans, Mitzic, Isaiah Joe, and Shea, yeah, <laughs> you can use him as, as a roller and it will be deadly. I don't know how many points you are emerging because of this, or even just switch um, a Kazon in there uh, so that you have a little bit more of defense mm -hmm. uh, or a Kenrich. I mean, when Kenrich is back, I wonder if he's the first guy off the bench. And then you maybe, if he's good from three again, you can have a little bit more space for Chad to operate. Yeah. I know there are, but it's not that hard. I mean, you just, you just need to feed him. And just need to trust him because he's showing you that he's taking good shots he can pass it and he's deadly like i would be happy if chat takes 20 shots one game and he it's only eight or nine that is part of the equations yeah question singular mm -hmm. yeah i i'm intrigued to see how they figure out ways to get him involved because he just needs to have more shots just flat out needs to get more shots and he's scoring 17 points per game. I mean, he's been he's been absurd so far, and and very very fun. The uh, the Thunder play the Hawks tonight. Looking at the injury report right now, the Hawks will be without uh, Kobe Buffkin. Unfortunately, he has a left thumb fracture, so the Buffkin boys will um, still be out in full force tonight. But don't get to see Kobe play. I don't really think he play anyways. Uh, DeAndre mm. Hunter is available. He had a right uh, pinky dislocation, uh, but he is available. Ouch. And, yeah. And then, like, their two-way guy, Seth Lundy's out. Wes Matthews, who hadn't played all season because of a calf strain, is out. And then there are other two-way. Miles Norris is on two-way, and he's gone. Um, for the Thunder, uh, Shea is listed as questionable. Mm -hmm. So there's a chance that Shea plays tonight. I kind of wondered... Um, how they would list him after the weekend. Uh, I think he's mostly okay. I think if he mm -hmm. had to play, I think he could play. But um, he has started to get around a little bit better. Uh, and then Keontae is with the G League, and Kenrich is still out with back spasms. But uh, from what I hear, he's also not too far out from being able to play maybe maybe another week or two at the most. But hopefully he's... Hopefully he's back sooner than that. So, uh, interesting matchup against Atlanta, who they, they've played well. You yeah. know, Atlanta has has been a good team so far this season. And so I think this is a, a good chance to bounce back if you're the Thunder. However, if they lost to Atlanta tonight, like would I be that surprised? Probably not. Um, but, yeah, Atlanta's got some interesting players that can – I mean, obviously Trey Young, Jontae Murray can get really hot. And they have a lot of role players that are pretty good. So I would, I think this should be a pretty close game. And especially if, if Shea can go, then like, I think the Thunder should be favored. But, you know, we don't know if Shea can go yet. Yeah. I'm curious to see um, rotations tonight. I think that last night, uh, all, not last night, last game we had a fair share of Mitzic, who I think played well. Yeah. Um, no Bertans. I wonder if tonight is uh, when Trey sits, if this is a night where you can have bombing Bertans out there for yeah. five to ten minutes and see what happens. Um, I think that when a team is guard heavy, I think the OKC has uh, a shot because they have very good 
point of attack defender, especially if Shea is on one of those nights where he wants to be effective. He had some of those um, in this early part of the season. Not every game was a good game for Shea defensively. Mm -hmm. um, on ball, yes, off ball, not all the time. Same for Ludort. Um, and I wonder uh, if Kaysom will get some burn on Trae Young and how that looks, because I... I think that he is a guy that can stretch the defense up to, to mid-court. Yeah. Um, we were discussing, I think, I don't remember if, if it was me and you in a pod or just me and you, um, the fact that uh, Kaysen is a guy that likes to pick up guys full court. Um, and this is something that you can see. I mean, he's really working up to the, maybe not uh, full court, but mid-court, yes. And so I really wonder um, how that works um, against a guy like Trae Young. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. I'm very curious. And it's a game where Chet can do his things. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, Okongu and Capella are not just some, uh, I don't know, beefy, super powerful kind of bags. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I think that it's a good matchup for Chet. I think he can stretch those guys out. And I think that our guards should be able to eat pretty good against this Atlanta Hawks team. What what did you think about Mitic against the, the Warriors? I thought that was like the best he's looked so far. He's looking more comfortable than he has, uh, especially through like the first like couple stints that he got. It was like, oh no, like this <laughs> some of this looks kind of rough. But he looked pretty good against the Warriors. Yeah, you know, when you when you see a player that um I mean I watched bunch of games i would say it'd be even more this summer to prepare and you could see him like going solo multiple times it was like his way of playing and um you can see like okc being on uh, a quartet or an orchestra or whatever and he was kind of free-flowing and it was not very um i would say it was not that very beautiful to see and to watch against the warriors i think he was more in sync more yes he likes to dribble the ball uh he likes to do his thing but it was more quick it was decisive it was like in a good sync with everyone else on the court and i think that again um my take last week was hey we need to give Mitsich about a month before we see the real uh vasa playing for the thunder and i think that this is still the case i'm glad that he's improving night in and night out um i think that he can be an integral part of the eight ninth man rotation that can fight for postseason and and last last game was uh was very good i think that mitzic is extremely talented and in good lineups where when you surround him with good players uh, with a little bit of defense, with a lot of shooting, with maybe a pick-and-roll partner, he can do a lot of damage. It's not easy, though, to to put Mitzic in the best condition to succeed because if you, you really want to split Shea and Giddy. And so where you do you play Mitzic? It, it, it makes more sense to play alongside Shea because he has more space. But do you really want to, in those Shea lineups, do you really want to take the ball out of his hands? I don't know. And so it's still it's still a good thing because Mitzic is a shooter, and so uh, playing him with Shea is probably the best thing that you can do. But I'm curious to see where it goes. But so far, so good, I think. Yeah, I thought the rotations were really interesting in that Warriors game, and I was so curious to see how Mark would handle it because 
we've seen him play a lot. Of, they've seen we've seen a lot of regular season Thunder where they're just playing tons of different lineups. I think there's one team in the league that's played more lineups, more five man lineups, uh, different five man lineups than the Thunder have. Um, the Thunder have played, I believe, eighty eight lineups, different lineups so far in these six games. And I think there's there's a, I'm trying to remember who it was. There was another team that had ninety nine different lineups wow. in their first like six or seven games. Um, kind of crazy. But yeah, I I like what he did. I mean, he basically I mean he had no Shea, so he started Kaysen with the other starters, which I was not surprised at all. I mean no. you can just tell that Mark just adores Kaysen Wallace. And then Isaiah Joe, Jay Will were like very obvious bench players for them. Welcome back, Jay Will. I thought that he looks good. I'm really excited to see more of him because like the the DHO stuff that he's able to do is really helpful to that second unit because there's guys that he can help get off the ball, relocate, get the ball back, and find something a little bit easier. And he's really good at it. He's just really a smart basketball player. And so I think Mm -hmm. he's going to help the second unit quite a bit. And also physically, he's just – He's stronger than almost anybody on the team. And so I think that he he's going to help out a lot. And then he had wigs for 16 minutes. Uh, some of that at the end of the game is because uh, J-Dub fouled out. Mm-hmm. And then Mitzich for 12 and Jang for 5, where it was just like he threw Jang in there, I believe, in the second quarter just to see if he had anything going. He did hit a 3 off of just a, a beautiful pass. And that was about it. Like that's like that's about all we can play you, Usman Jang, in a, in this game against the Warriors. And like frankly, like Mitsich, it was like twelve minutes. Like, yep, that's enough. And then the core guys of the team, I mean, the guys who played the most minutes were Joe and Kaysen, Giddy, Chet, J Dub, Dort. And those were the guys. And like shout out to yeah. Dort too. Like, you have any apologies for for Lou Dort? You got nope. anything to say? None. None. I mean, he was awesome, though. Yes, yes, he, he was. was awesome. He was great. Um, he was not as awesome against the Pelicans, though. Why? Why are you gonna bring that I'm up? Kidding, that's not, that's I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's playing well. Okay, okay. <laughs> this has been okay. I mean, clearly he needed to step up in a different kind of way against the Warriors without Shea. But when Shea's been in the lineup, it has been a really good version of Lou Dort. I think he's taken yeah. a lot of the right kinds of shots. He's the kind of player that you would hope that he would be. I'm I'm counting the bad shots, and I'm not at five. I think. Yeah, he's doing from the great. beginning of the season, which is more than what I hoped. Yeah. I think that we need to face the fact that nobody is closing out. Maybe yeah, when sure. he hits the third three, Steph Curry was closing out. Yeah, at that yeah. After he got hot, then they yeah. started to close out. Yeah. So it's it's still a long process for Lou. And I'm glad that he's taking the good path. The path of, hey, I'm an eight to nine to ten shots kind of guy, not a sixteen shots kind of guy. And I need to put all my effort to make these shots good and my defense great. Yeah. So this to me is the first six games, and I'm really glad this is the approach. If he's able to keep up the efficiency with that volume, even even with nine shots, people will recognize, hey, I mean, Lou Dort is two seasons taking trees at a good clip 
and is making 38% of them. We need we need to be aware. Yeah. Like it will make things not easy in the early going, but if this is the way, then I think that you need to give Ludort this role for an extended period of time to just allow him to get comfortable and be effective because I think that you will have the Lou Knight and you can, I mean, it's apparent that as soon as the teammates recognize, hey, this is Lou Knight, he's, he's having it, they will feed him. They mm-hmm. will not like leaving him to 10 shots. So if he's fine with having five nights in a year, seven nights in a season, where he's the man and the other nights he's, hey, I'm Lou Dort, the first team all defense kind of guy, which is what he should get after this season to me. Then, then it's a good Dort. And and you know how many I, shots I he to took against the Warriors. Um, yeah, I know it was six of six from three, mm-hmm. and and then I think thirteen. Yeah, he had twelve. He took twelve. Twelve shots. Okay. Which is actually is under, perfect. which is actually under his efforts from last year. On the night they had it going, I just think that he's done such a good job of trying to balance things, and he, you just, he's just a player that you want to go to war with. He's just a player yeah. that in these games where the like there is pressure, you could feel it in the building. The building was mm-hmm. awesome on Friday. It was so the court much fun. Awesome. You thought the court from looked TV. awesome. From TV, yes. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's From great. TV, it was so slick. Yeah. Yeah. Like a little water. too blue, but um, yeah, it was a lot compared of blue. to the I, regular I think one. We could tone it. I think we can tone it down. But yeah, I mean, it was fun. It was such a fun night of basketball. I just think yeah. that Lou is somebody that when you get to the playoffs, you want that guy on your side. You just want to, you want to have him. And he, I, it's funny because like, we complain about him, but if if Andre was as good as he is offensively, the Thunder would have been a lot better. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, can I stop you there about me being mad, me being mean about Lou Dort? Uh, no, actually, no. I'm not going to let you do three, it. Okay, I don't I'm care. It's uh, three and a half seasons that I'm preaching him to be what he's doing now. Yeah, like this is the useful version of Lou Dort. That's what I'm saying. I That's what I'm saying. To, it's like this is good. It's good. Yes. I, I don't want Lou to shut OKC out of a game. Yeah. And he's not doing it. Not yeah. even when OKC is down or is, I mean, against New Orleans. He didn't even try to overdo it. No, he didn't. They lost, which is fine. Not, not great, but fine. But he didn't overdo it, which to me is such great news. Oh, man. Um, and again, there are a lot of players that are imperfect. And Lou is one of them. Mm-hmm. But if you realize to, that he needs to play in a way to maximize himself, I'm all in for that. Yeah. And and I'm glad that he's, again, I, I said it multiple times, I'm glad that he's going down this road because I think that the end of it is where he makes, he gives himself the best odds to be the best version of himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. Is this a good apology? Um. Nope. But you know okay. what? We'll try again next time. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> Stick around. Uh, we're going to do... I have a trivia question from McKelly after the break, and then we're going to run through some more stats. We'll be right back. 
When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When it's time for me to find a job, I went right to LinkedIn Jobs. They helped me find the right employer, and it was, man, very, very easy process. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash dunk. That's linkedin.com slash dunk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back after that quick break. Uh, Michele, trivia question. Who has the worst defensive rebound percentage in the NBA this season? As a team or as a player? As a team. Oh, I'm completely unprepared. I know that the Thunder have a very bad one. I'm not sure if they are the worst. They actually have a Um, perfect one, 69%, which is 28th in the league. uh, I think I know. There are two teams that are worse. I think I know both of them. Okay. Um, but I will not be able to remember it. I think I heard it yeah. somewhere, probably on the last Frypod, but I didn't memorize this. Um, let's see. The Wizards? The Wizards are 26. Oh. In defensive rebound percentage. And... I'll give you a hint. Know. I'll give you a hint. It's really funny. It's really funny because they are tall. I mean, yeah. Um, and it's a. Li- it's the Bucks. No, it's really funny and it's a little embarrassing. Okay, I don't have any other guess. The New Orleans Pelicans have the worst defensive rebound percentage in the NBA this season. Really? Mm-hmm. Sixty-five percent. Okay. 
they are winning it. They are winning, though. Isn't that odd? Isn't that it so is odd? Very odd. They must have like a great offensive rebounding percentage. They're twenty third in offensive rebound percentage. So they were just like we we are just way worse than <laughs> them. But the numbers are not yet telling that. They are 29th in rebound percentage in the NBA this season. Wow. Isn't that just comical? Yeah. Like, that's just like... It is comical. Like, like, what do you do with that if you're the Thunder? Like Nothing. One, you, you, just, kind of, you, just... you, you kind of feel a little bit bad about that because they are, I mean, in a game that the Thunder should have won and they didn't win because they just, like, completely they didn't they didn't even take their foot off the gas they slowed the car down to a roll and just got out of the vehicle as it was moving to go get a sandwich inside 7-eleven and then they got back and the pelicans had stolen their car and sped off down the road and then they finally got an uber got back to the car but it was too late okay i was about to ask how they how did they reach the car they got, they, okay. they got into it. I mean, uh, as um, if you want to 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 get an explanation, you may want to see who they play. Which, like, who yeah, I mean, yeah, it's so so, yeah, seat. it's so 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 early. But it, to me, yeah. that was just really funny to see because it's like, yeah, wait a minute, like we, <laughs> like, and what's the other one? The other one, what? The other bad team in terms of rebounding. Oh, the rebound percentage. It's the mm. it's the Wizards our last forty four point eight percent is their rebound percentage. The Thunder are twenty second. I see twenty. I mean they're they're bad, but it's not great. I mean last season, if you look at rebound percentage, do you know who led the league in rebound percentage last season? Absolutely not. One, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Two. Rebounds don't necessarily mean that you're an awesome team because the team that led the league in rebound percentage was the Raptors. The, no, the Houston Rockets. The Rockets, who won 22 games last year, they lost yeah. 60 games. Hey, you know what? But they led the league in rebound percentage. By golly, they lost 60 games. Yeah, 60. So, are the Thunder sacrificing rebounding to a degree with these lineups that they're playing? Yes. They are. And that is okay because they're going to make up for it in other areas. And you know what? Mm-hmm. Some of some of what we saw against the Pelicans was personnel-based, where it's like, yeah, you could have used Jay Will, and you could have used Ken Rich, and you could probably have used a player, player X that, you, that people are saying that we should trade for, Rob Williams or whoever. Sure. Would those guys help? That particular stat? Yes. Yes, yeah. they would. However, the Thunder have different kinds of goals. And and for them to reach those goals, the five players that are out on the court that are wearing the uniform that says Thunder on them have to be more aggressive and have to be yeah. better than they were. Against there were so many rebounds that just were like either after the ribbon was taken the ball just slipped their, from their hands oh, yeah. either oh, yeah. naturally or because of someone like waiting for that to happen mm-hmm. and i think that one thing that you don't want as a as a team i mean you can have a bad rebounding percentage because you are not packing the paint and you are aggressive on the three point shots you don't want to be bad at both like not closing out yeah. and 
allowing rebounds, which is what happened in multiple times against the Pelicans, where they didn't get rebounds, but they were spread out, mm. but not as spread out to cover and to really contest three-point shots. Mm-hmm. That is something that you can't allow because it's 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 just being conservative and just not committing to one of the two things, mm-hmm. which you may get away if you have great rebounders, but you, like, Russ was the master of that, like being middle of the way, just not too close to the three-point shooter, but in position to get a rebound. And he actually was going to to get it mm-hmm. um, and allowing wide open trees. So if you're if you're a great rebounder, you may want to do that, and that's fine um, for stats. But if you're a good team, you, you either pack the paint and therefore you have more control on the board, or you you are a little bit more spread out. You switch a lot and you start you try to stay close to shooters. And in that case, even if you have big men, you, you can be a little bit more, uh, a little bit less uh, strong on rebounding. Mm-hmm. But it's fine because you're trying to contest more trees. Yes, absolutely. I mean, th- we also just have to let things unfold a little bit for this Thunder mm-hmm. team. And like, because they're so young, like we've got to allow them to kind of learn the lessons. Like you can't like fast forward through learning the lessons that they need to learn. And like part of this season is learning to play together, learning to play with Chet, learning some like mm-hmm. hard lessons as they go along. And they're going to have high moments. We've already seen like against the Cavaliers, they had a really high moment. You know, they're going to blow a team out at some point. And that's going to be really fun. You know, they did that to Chicago. They're going to do that again. You know, there, there are lessons to be learned. There's a, a lot of experiences that are going to happen as they kind of go through this season. So I'm not really concerned about much of anything yet. Also, like we mm-hmm. just don't have a large enough sample to say anything. I mean, look at the, the rebound percentage and defensive rebound percentage of the New Orleans Pelicans. That tells you enough that like they're not going to end up being the worst in the league. Like that's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, they're going to, they're going to figure it out. They're going to play a lot of different opponents. Like, that's why they say wait 20 games, because you have to play lots of different opponents. You look at the Mavericks right now. The Mavericks look awesome because they've played junk teams. They've played teams that stink. And that is why they look amazing. The Thunder yeah. look less awesome. They've played a lot of really good teams so far. Yeah. It's it's tough. They've beaten the teams they're supposed to. They beat Chicago. They beat the Pistons. Those are like the two teams that I think you could circle and say you have to beat those teams. Mm-hmm. And they did. And they've played close the other games. They beat the Cavaliers. That's kind of like an iffy one, even with the guys that were out. They've been good. They've played good basketball. They've had they, the only game that I would say that they didn't play up to their potential was the Pelicans game. And yeah. that was a big problem. And then they got well, shot. Half of it, yes. Yeah, for like the first yeah. not. Yeah. I mean, part of that game was just an absolute mess. But, you know, that's just kind of is what it is and a lesson that they have to learn so but yeah i'm excited to see atlanta tonight one thing that's kind of interesting about the hawks and the thunder is they both like to play really fast like they're both top five in pace in the league so this should be like a very like up and down like flying all over the place game they're fourth in pace this season and the thunder are fifth 
And so there's there's going to be a lot of possessions, 103 and to 102 in pace for the Thunder and the Hawks. This is going to be a fast-paced, up-and-down game, which I think is going to it's going to be a shootout you know and it's going to be who who can provide the most resistance i think is going to be what is going to determine the outcome of this game like can the thunder provide enough resistance to the hawks and like you said they have the point of attack defenders to get these guys um and so i'm interested to see what that looks like uh hopefully shea plays and if not, I mean, I think that they'll just throw Kaysen out there again. And then you, you yeah. know, Kaysen and Dort as your point of attack defenders, like not too shabby, you know, to throw out there against those guys. So very different. Like it's good for Kaysen to get all these different experiences. Um, because like going from Clay Thompson, who if you listen to the Athletic NBA show today, Josh Eustace was on talking about, how to defend Steph and Clay, and it was like so hmm. is interesting listening to him talk about that. Um, but yeah, like the the like the education that he's getting so far this season, like he's had to play against a lot of really high level guys, and to go from Clay to either Dejounte Murray or Trey Young, it's like wow, like that's <laughs> that's a lot. That's a, yeah. that's a lot to handle. There is a steep difference. Um, can I make you a trivia? little trivia? Yeah. Early season trivia. Can you name um, the first three player in on-off plus minus for OKC and get the right order? In on-off so plus I'm, I'm, minus. I'm having, I'm having in front of me the cleaning the glass page, uh, which okay. takes out all the um, garbage time. Okay. So and like basically, Andrew takes to, out takes out the the Nuggets game. Part of it, yes. Uh, from a certain point, yes. So I'm asking Andrew to name the three player where, when they are on, compared to when they are off, they have the best net difference. Okay. Um, hmm. Chet. Nope. He's not part of that. Not top three. No. Not top three. Um, he's Kaysen? actually in the K- negatives. Case and Wallace, number three. Case and Wallace. Okay. Um, I don't think Josh Giddy has been very good. Um, so I won't say him. Okay. Um, good. Have they played significant minutes? Oh yeah, I'm taking all guys that that played uh, roughly 120 or more. Oh, Dort. Dort is uh, quite bad. Really? Yeah. Yikes. Dub? Dub is bad. Bad. Bad as worse than Dort. It's um, among guys that played more than 120 minutes. Josh Kitty is last at minus 9.8. Yeah, uh, Jalen Williams is um, just uh, in front of him, minus 9.2. And Lugan Dort is just in front. Jalen Williams at Yikes. minus 8.8. Shea? Shea's second. Okay. Joe? Plus 11.7. And Joe is first. Like last year, Isaiah Joe, always plus number minus one. King. Plus 15.2. Plus minus King, Isaiah Joe. Wow. Yeah. And you know who has, uh, who played 13 minutes and has uh, um, an enormous plus minus? Uh, Davis Bertans. Davis Bertans. 
Hey, shout yeah. out to these guys that were sitting in front of me during the Warriors game. They had, uh, I think it was two or three guys that all had Berton's jerseys on. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> there was also a guy sitting in front of me that had a uh, a Mitzitz jersey, Thunder Mitzitz jersey. Wow. It's the first time I've seen one in person outside of like him wearing it. But first, can, first can you, fan, Mitzitz jersey. Can you also guess... Um, what is the difference in net rating um, between Lindy Waters, who played three minutes, and Alex Pokushevsky, who played <laughs> no. four minutes? Between the two. So I, if I take one and I subtract the other. <laughs> I don't know. Over under 79. <laughs> over? Over. <laughs> 80. 88.3. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, well, that's clearly a small sample. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Minus 42.8 for Poku and plus 45.5 yeah. for Lindy, who played clearly in a moment where they they yeah. hit a three and the other team made a free throw. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was like some Thunder news. Like, it's barely news. I'm sure like the Thunder even like, why do we even have to release this? But they have to do it anyways. Um, where they basically sent Poku, Jang, and Trey Man to just get five on five run with the blue yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. So they sent them down in the morning. The blue are back. They're p- practicing. They've had training camp. And they wanted to get those guys just some five on five run. And then they sent them back. So, I mean, it's really nothing to nothing to see here kind of thing. But, you know, these guys that haven't really gotten as much run as they could um, are, are sent down there. So, um, kind of interesting i uh i was just like i was watching some of a a raptors game this morning um Mm -hmm. the one against the spurs just because like one i just like really like watching the spurs (laughs) they're really good and i was just kind of intrigued by the raptors because they came back and won that game um they were down big and then won in overtime but scotty barnes looks awesome yeah he looks great um siakam does not look quite as awesome I mean, if I'm the Raptors, I am trying to to trade Siakam right now. Like, that extension is going to be too big. I don't want any part of that. I'd rather build my team around Scotty and OG and go get a young player. I'm not even saying this. I think a lot of people kind of interpreted it, like, through the lens of, like, oh, the Thunder should get Siakam. I'm not really even on that train at all no. one because he's expiring he's going to be expensive he can't shoot he can't shoot he's not been he's not been a good three-point shooter in years i got i i don't really see that fit and also just when we talk about the thunder trying to keep their young core together the thing that would keep them that would for sure keep them from keeping this core together would be trading for and extending a player like pascal siakam it would spell like the end, like the eventual end of somebody on the team. And maybe it's just Siakam that just is here and gone. But still, I just don't think it's something that they would do. Also, he's inevitably going to take minutes away from guys and possessions away from guys that they that they want to give minutes and possessions to. So, um, yeah. The, no, it's, he's not the guy. Yeah, it's it's not it. He also, I mean, if if you're going to deal for a forward, like a big forward, they have to be able to shoot. Like if if you yeah. are getting to choose, 
somebody from the outside of this organization to come in and play next to Chet and play next to Giddy and play next to J-Dub and play next to Shea. They have to be able to shoot. Siakam yeah, is... And it's it, not very easy to find. Like, there are well, then players you wait. who can't shoot. You wait. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not very... There is not really many um, guy who can play the four that are very physical, good rebounder, very good shooters that are like 6'10 and above. Yeah. There are many trees that can play the four, like Paul George can play the four, mm-hmm. Kawhi can play the four. Um, but like guys that are 6'9, 6'10, uh, physical with a shot, there's not many. Mm-mm. And if they're and if they're out there, they're probably not available. No, but I, I just don't like besides Anthony Davis and well, you can put uh, Wemby and Chet, but but um, they are both um, like too young. I'm not saying that like guys that are maybe in their mid twenties that play that role. I mean, eighties is like on the backside of like second side of his career. Um, mm-hmm. Aaron Gordon is not a shooter, even if he's like a player like Aaron Gordon. Yeah, there are not many players no. like that. Mm-mm. No, there's not something to look for. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I would start drafting that that like archetype of player, you know, to try to f- figure out can we get one of those guys to work, you know. But I but the problem is like, boy, they really need to be able to shoot. For it to there is JJJ. Yes, that have Christian A in the chat. Yeah, yeah. You're not getting Triple J. Like you're just not getting him. Well, I I don't know. Don't you know, know, I don't know. I no, I don't know. I mean, not today. Suppose that the job thing. Not today. In two years, I don't know that you can't get him. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be a devastating front line. And then, like the thing that Triple J needs is to like desperately not be your second best player. You know, yeah, yeah. I think that uh, if you if you keep your assets, and one day Memphis says, "Okay, we want to start over, uh, fire sale," just give us four first round picks and Josh Giddy for JJJ. You have the assets to do so. Yeah. If you save them for the right player, and if the contract situation is right, and blah 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 blah. But it's mm-hmm. not today, and it's not again. OKC needs a player like that to like to be a seamless fit that works today, tomorrow, and and maybe beyond. Mm-hmm. But it's not there. So either you draft him, maybe Alexander Saar is that guy. Yeah. Yeah, the thing about Triple J is after 25-26, he's due for another deal, which is going to be massive. Yeah. It's going to be a massive yeah. deal. Like as much as we want to make fun of him or like say he's not great, like how many teams would line up to pay him $50 million a year? 29. Yeah. 30. Lots of teams would. Depoy can shoot. Yeah. I mean, that'd be cool. I just, I mean, it's not impossible. But there aren't many lesser version of that. Like, that is the only point. You don't want, like, JJJ necessarily. Yeah. Can you get a player 
that can play that role without being as good as JJJ. Yeah, Don, Don Beck's just like simple. Just go get Cooper Flag. Thank you. Um, well, so, that is something that Lucky can't do probably next year. Um, but um, but maybe they can get someone that is similar. That, yeah, that's the thing. Is like in the draft, in which I just don't know who that player is in this particular draft. You know, there's there are some like forwards. In this draft, I just haven't watched a lot of them. Are the young guys like some of the G League guys? You know, you do have an Alexander Saar. Um, I don't know how good they are. I don't know how good Justin Edwards is. I haven't watched Justin Edwards yet. Some people just don't think he's any good. <laughs> you know, like I don't, I don't know. I don't know how good Almanza is. Um, Cody Williams, even who's not that he's six eight. I don't know that he can. I don't know that he's necessarily going to play power forward. In the NBA, you know, Clintman is somebody that we've watched. Like, you believe in Bobby Clintman to be able to come in and play for the Thunder? I mean, not necessarily. He could develop into that kind of guy. He kind of profiles as that kind of guy. But we're a ways off, we're a long ways off from actually being that guy with Bobby. Yeah. Long ways off. By the way, if you want some draft content, if you got if you're itching for draft content, uh, you can head over to Patreon.com/slash OKC Dream Team, and you can hear Michaela and I. We're already breaking down prospects already, doing it right now. So you can go check out those episodes there. We've done like four, five. Um, we did Klingen, we did um, Clintman, we did Proctor, Kugel. Filipowski. Yeah, five. Yeah. Yeah. So we've done, that's it. Yeah, we've done five so far. We'll have another one this week where we're already breaking down these draft this draft a little bit. Um, we'll probably have Sam Vecini on there at some point in the not-so-distant future after college basketball gets going. Uh, so that will be fun. So you can, that's another place you can hear some of our content and particularly draft content that we're already – Starting to pump out. It's it's a uh, it's an interesting draft because the Thunder are going to have likely a pretty juicy pick in this draft. Yeah, and so they're going. I mean, this one I think you have to like really break it down because in every single draft there are good players. There are players that there's going to be a player that goes in the top sixteen that's going to make the All Star team. Can you be the team to find them? <laughs> you know, can you be the team to find who in the, in this draft in particular? It's going to be tough to figure out which guy is the guy, and it's a, it's a heavy international draft too. Yeah, and which all of these things just like spell out success for Sam Presti and his crew because they have done a really good job scouting internationally, finding guys. Do they always hit? No, but. Do they hit more often than not? A lot of times they do. So I'm yeah. really intrigued to see how they handle this next draft, um, especially since I don't foresee them taking a wild Poku-like swing on somebody <laughs> again, just because they're not in that stage of the of the rebuild anymore. I think in 2020, boy, like we got a blank slate. 
Like we're gonna have nothing. We're gonna have the time, yeah. the energy, everything to throw at somebody, similar to what the Wizards are doing with Bilal Kulabali. Like, yeah, yeah, we can take him. What are we doing this year? I don't know. Nothing. We'll take him. The Thunder are in a different stage of their development. Those kind of players, and you saw it with the Warriors, you can't bring in a player like James Wiseman onto your team and it flourish because he just wasn't ready. And he was not, and maybe he was never going to be ready. But like it was a bad place for him because he couldn't get the time and attention he needed. Okay, I'm going off on a tangent. I don't need to right now. Um, Anything else before we go, McKellie? No, I think that uh, this is a nice week. Um, two games uh, that uh, are difficult, but uh, games that uh, this team needs to learn how to play. Yeah. And so I'm very curious, what's the what's the mindset? What is the aggressiveness? Because they were very locked in against the Pistons and mm-hmm. also in the part of the first quarter against uh, the Pelicans, and then they kind of melted away. So I'm very, very curious to see how they react. Yeah. To, to this homestand that is not going, it's one and three, so yeah. it's it's not great. Can he, can they close the homestand with uh two, with two W's? So that is uh this is a draw, and they are five and three, like we predicted. Or yeah. are they laying an egg again, and they maybe close four and four, which is okay, or three and five, which is a little little bit of a bummer, but nothing terrible. Yeah, I mean Atlanta and Cleveland are good. Like those yeah. are good teams, and then they hit the road and go to Sacramento, which will likely still be without De'Aaron Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's that's also an interesting one because like they can they still play the same way, like they still get up and down, like they're still taking tons yeah. of threes, and anything can happen in that kind of environment. So, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting week, you know, by Saturday. Like, what what does their record look like? Yeah. I'm very, very curious. Uh, all right. Hope you guys have an awesome rest of your day. We'll talk to you guys again. Wait, wait, wait. Down to Dunk Night a week from tomorrow. I I don't know if you can still buy tickets to it. If you can, go check it out. It's at, I think that we have it pinned at the top of the Down to Dunk Twitter account, at Down to Dunk. So if you want to come watch the game with us, we are going to meet at Spark at like 445 to 5 o'clock. I think it's supposed to be cloudy that day, but not raining. And it's supposed to be a little cold, but not freezing. So, which is good because they have a lot of outdoor seating. They have some indoor seating. I've let them know to be ready for us because we're going to bring a lot of people over to Spark. Um, but we should be able to eat outside, hang out, you know, meet and greet, come talk to to the L man and to Taylor and Jay and I, and then we'll go over to the game, watch the game together, and then after the game. We will take a huge down-to-dunk picture on the court together, and then we will do a half-court shot competition that if you win, you will get some pretty awesome seats to a game uh, later this season. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to spending some time with all the dunkers. I hope you guys have an awesome day. We'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.